Welcome to C3 Church Hobart. You're about to listen to a message from our series every day. We hope that you enjoy this message and please get in touch with us if you would like to be connected. I do. How are we? Good. How are we? You've got to help the preacher preach people. Turn to the person next to you and say, this is going to be good. Turn to someone else and say, buckle up, she talks fast. In, um, in preparing for this message, I was actually reflecting on the way in which my family prepares for if we're going to have a guest or a visitor come to our home. And I know that we all like to pretend that this is not the reality of what goes on in our households. But if we could all just be honest for a moment or two, I think that most of you will be able to relate to this scenario. You see, if we know that someone is coming to our house, we will clean our entire home. We will pick all the toys and clothes up off the floor and shove them in a cupboard and hope no one opens that cupboard. We will vacuum the floors. We will go to the kitchen and we'll put away all the dirty dishes and we'll wipe up the jam spills and the crumbs and the kitchen counter will become, to borrow a phrase from Andrew Sykes, an empty horizontal surface, which is a beautifully rare thing in my family family of six. And then I'll go to the kitchen and I'll wipe all the toothpaste off the mirrors and we'll switch out the sandpaper for some quilt and gold. And then we'll go to the kitchen as the final touch and stash away those milk arrowroots and bring out the double-coated Tim Tams because visitors are coming over. Can anyone relate to that in any way? I don't know what it is about us that feels like we have to project this false image of how our lives always are, but we all do it. And the visitor will come at the appointed time and they'll probably think my house looks pretty tidy and we'll converse together on what is usually a somewhat shallow level and they'll probably eat one of the Tim Tams that I offer them. And then after an hour or two, the visitor will leave because that's what visitors do. But do you know, if you were to come and live in my house, you would get an entirely different picture of how my household operates, because there is a vast difference between visiting with someone and living with someone. And I think that a lot of us, we can often settle for visiting with God. We come at the appointed time, whether that be church or connect group or even our personal devotion time. And we converse with God on what can be a somewhat shallow level, only showing him one side of who we are. And then we leave his presence because that's what visitors do. But God actually doesn't want us to just visit with him. He actually wants to live with us. God wants to be involved in every moment of every day. God wants us to know that he isn't even just with us, he is actually in us. That's why John chapter 1 verse 14 says that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace but also full of truth. 
The message paraphrase puts the verse this way. The word became flesh and moved into the neighbourhood. And I love that wording because God doesn't just want to visit with us in these one-off events. He wants to move into the neighbourhood of our life and the neighbourhood of our hearts. And my prayer is in this series as we're going through every day that you would lean into the understanding that God doesn't just want to visit you on a Sunday or visit you in your Bible reading. He wants you to know that He is with you in every moment of every day. And so before I even get into the crux of this message, that's exactly what we're going to pray for. Are you with me? Guys, close your eyes. We're going to pray. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your word is truth. Lord, help open our eyes up to your truth so that we can see you, see your Holy Spirit and see who we are in response. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Good work, Noe. Okay, so we are currently in this series called Every Day, in which we have been learning about who the Holy Spirit is and what that looks like for us as individuals and as a body of believers. And today, I am going to share a little bit with you about my personal journey with the Holy Spirit. And in order to do that, I need to give you some context as to my background. And for those that know me, it would be perhaps no surprise to know that I, to hear that I was saved at 15 into a very Pentecostal community church. And one of the first things that, I mean, that church was so it gave me a foundation for my life. It taught me about Bible reading. It taught me about prayer. It taught me servanthood. It it taught me about leadership. I'm actually the person that I am today because of what discipleship I received in that church. But in the same breath, it was a very Pentecostal church. And one of the first things I remember thinking when I went to visit this church was how do people stay standing up for so long with their arms raised for song upon song and they not get like some major lactic acid build up in their shoulders. That was literally one of the first things that I thought. Services went for hours. There was flag waving at the church that I went to. Some of you don't even know what that is. And there was, it was energetic, it was enthusiastic. There was a lot of raising of hands. There was a lot of jumping up and down. And there was quite a bit of emphasis on the Holy Spirit and the baptisms of, baptism of the Holy Spirit. And by that, what I mean is there was a lot of boldness in preaching. There was a lot of prophecy. There was a lot of prayer for miracles, for healing. There was a lot of speaking in tongues and there was a lot of altar calls. And my first impression of the Holy Spirit, not having um, a scriptural basis myself for the Holy Spirit, but only being able to go off what I was presented with, was that the Holy Spirit was weird. And this was further complicated by the fact that some people that I really respected referred to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost. And there's actually really nothing inherently wrong with that term, except that for me, it invoked this image of this etheral being that floated around and landed on people, made them do weird stuff, and then when he was finished with them, would float away and land on someone else. And my hope at the time 
was just that the Holy Spirit wouldn't land on me because that seemed to be very embarrassing. And so that was my initial understanding of the Holy Spirit. But I stayed in this church and I settled into my walk with God. And a few years into it, I was baptized in the Spirit and I started to outwork some of the gifts of the Spirit. And so that by the time I was 20, I was actually very confident in operating in the gifts of the Spirit. And I had, in essence, become one of the people that five years earlier I thought was really weird. But while this was happening, I was also reading my Bible quite a lot. And I noticed this difference between what I knew of the Holy Spirit, what I was experiencing of the Holy Spirit, and what the Bible actually said about the Holy Spirit. You see, when I read the book of Acts, I didn't feel like it was just about these isolated events of the Holy Spirit. But instead, when I read Acts, I got the sense that the Holy Spirit was a normal part of the apostles' everyday walk with God. And when I read things like Ephesians 5.18 that says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, 20-year-old me was like, yeah, that's right. Be filled with the Spirit, people. Until I learned that Ephesians 5.18, the way it's written in Greek, doesn't quite translate or cross over very well into the English. And perhaps a better way to put that verse would be, do not be drunk with wine, but be continually in the process of filling yourself up with the Holy Spirit. And that actually didn't really fit with my 20-year-old theology at the time. Because I thought you were baptised or filled with the Holy Spirit once and then you went off on your way. And so thus began God, this journey that I went on with God where he taught me about who the Holy Spirit was and is and continues to be. And this is very much a journey that I'm still on. I'm not up here as a guru, but I wanted to share with you some of my journey. How are we going? Are you with me? Awesome, awesome. Okay, so the first thing we're going to do, I'm going to do a bit of teaching. So where in the Bible do we first hear about the Holy Spirit? And it's not Acts. Genesis 1-2. Brownie points for you. Can you tell he was in the service before? I'm sure you knew the answer already anyway. Genesis 1-2 says that the earth was empty and formless, and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. So right at the beginning of time, we have this dark, disordered, formless world. And then verse three says, God spoke and the world came into being. Now I know I'm summarizing like chapters of creation there, but work with me. So out of this dark, disordered, empty world, the Holy Spirit creates something of order and beauty and purpose. So right from verses 2 and 3 of the Bible, we're presented with the Holy Spirit, not as this etheral being of madness and mayhem, but as an agent of creation, as someone who is able to take dark, empty, disordered, chaotic things and bring about creation in them. Can you say after me, agent of creation? Let's do it again. Agent of creation. Okay, now hold that thought. Because all throughout the Bible, there is an issue that is continually addressed. Because although God created this good and perfect world, 
mankind sinned, we mucked up, we missed the mark. And we unleash chaos not only into the created world, but also into our very own hearts. And our very own hearts became dark and disordered and empty and chaotic all at the same time and crying out for renewal. But who is the Holy Spirit? He is an agent of creation. And many of the prophets in the Bible actually speak into this issue of the heart. And we're going to look at one of them today. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 31. Jeremiah 31, we're going to read verses 31 to 34 today. Jeremiah is one of the major prophets in the Bible. There are major prophets and there are minor prophets. Major prophets are just really long. They take a major amount of effort to read. But you should do it because there's some awesome stuff in there. Okay, Jeremiah 31 verse 31 says this. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It won't be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with my people in that time. I will write my law in their minds and I will put it on their hearts and they will, be my, they will be my people and I will be their God. And no longer shall everyone teach his neighbour saying, know the Lord, know the Lord, because they'll all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. For their sin I will forgive and their iniquity I will remember no more. So here we have God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah to his people. And God is saying, I'm going to make a new covenant, a new agreement, a new promise with my people. And it's not going to be like the old covenant, the old agreement that I made with my people. When I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. And I want you to think for a moment about that image of someone being taken by the hand and led somewhere. Because if you're being taken by the hand and led somewhere, you are being led outwardly. You're being led externally. When I go to the supermarket and I've got my two-year-old daughter Noah with me and we step out of the shop and have to go back to the car, I grab her hand and lead her to the car. And the reason I do that is, first of all, she's not aware of all the cars in the car park but also she does not have the mental capacity to know where our car was parked, let alone where we're headed. And because she can't do it for herself, I grab her hand and I lead her there, I take her there. And so God is saying, I'm going to make a new covenant with my people and it's not going to be like that old covenant where I took them by their hand, where I led them externally out of Egypt. How did God lead his people out of Egypt? He gave them his law. He gave them a bunch of rules and regulations that identified them as the people of God. But of course, we know the problem with, with that, right? With that agreement, with that covenant. And it wasn't the law. It wasn't the rules and regulations. It was this dark, disordered heart of mine. Because no amount of conforming to the concept of good was going to change my heart. No amount of, of following rules 
was going to work in me from the outside in. I mean, sometimes I can even do the right thing, people, but I can do it with the wrong heart. I can cook you a meal and seem like I'm really nice, but inside I might be bothered and whinging about it. I can, I can be generous with my money, but inside I might be resentful that people are so needy. The problem was with this dark, disordered heart. That's why the psalmist in Psalm 51 verse 10 cries out, Create in me, O Lord, a new heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me because the problem is with our heart. And so God says, I'm going to make a new covenant with you and it's not going to be like the old one where I took you by the hand and led you externally. But instead, this is the covenant I'm going to make with you. Verse 33, I will write my law in your mind and on your heart. All of a sudden, the law becomes something that isn't just leading us externally by the hand, but is actually internally in our hearts and minds. It becomes something where we're not just conforming, but we're being transformed from the inside out. When we receive Jesus Christ as Lord, the Holy Spirit comes and writes the law of God in our hearts and changes us from the inside out. Now, what does that mean? It means that all of a sudden, my life moves from and I have to, to and I want to. It means that all of a sudden, I don't just have to follow the law. I actually want to follow the law. All of a sudden, I don't just have to be generous to people because that's what God told us to do. But instead, the Holy Spirit comes and reveals to me the generosity of the Father and changes my hard heart so that now I actually want to be kind to others. Now I don't just have to love God have to read my Bible, have to pray, have to go to church. Now he works in my heart and I understand it's all about relationship and I actually want to do those things. The Holy Spirit comes in the old covenant, and uh, in the new covenant, sorry, and changes us from the inside out. And I know that Jeremiah 31 doesn't specifically mention the Holy Spirit. But I am telling you, church, the only way God can do this is through the power of His Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is an agent of creation. He comes in and He changes our heart. Ezekiel 36 verse 26, God says this, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will take out that hard heart of stone you have and I will give you a soft heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you that will cause you and move you to follow my decrees and listen to my law. Isaiah 32, 15 says, When the Spirit of God is poured on us from on high, the desert becomes a fertile field and the fertile field a forest. Church, I am telling you that the Holy Spirit comes just like He did in Genesis, although this time He comes to our dark, disordered hearts and He creates in them something of beauty and order and purpose. He changes our hearts. He takes the desert of our heart and makes it a fertile field. He takes 
the hard areas of our heart and makes us something soft and pliable in his hands so that we can truly love God and truly love others. That's what the Holy Spirit does and that's who he is. He is an agent of creation and recreation in us. And perhaps you're sitting there today and you're thinking, wow, that's great, but I don't feel like my heart is really all that ordered or beautiful or purposeful. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, Be continually filled up all the time with the Holy Spirit because life happens to us and darkness and callousness and hard stuff can get into our lives, into our hearts and the Holy Spirit, we continually need him to help change our hearts from these hard hearts to these soft hearts. We need the inner working of the Holy Spirit. You see, so much of my walk with God has been focused on the outworkings of the Spirit, on the, the, the manifestations of the Spirit, and I neglected to see the inner workings that He was doing in my heart. And this is a very new revelation to me. In fact, I, I actually preached a message 12 months ago on the Holy Spirit that's vastly different to the one that I'm preaching now. And it's not that the one I preached 12 months ago was incorrect or unscriptural, more that it was more incomplete, as I'm sure that this one will be in 12 months' time when I reflect on it. Because we're always on a journey in this. And in closing, I wanted to use this illustration, and I'm going to pop it up on the screen, of these lollies. They're pineapple lollies. And uh, I've got one in my hand now. You can get these from Coles. And the thing is, until I was 25, I actually thought that these were fish. Clearly never bought them in a packet labelled pineapples, because I can read. Um, But in my defence, if you turn them to the side, they do look like a fish shape, right? Yeah, two people, thank you. Take that to the emotional bank. And I know some of you will be thinking, oh, come on, no. They're yellow on the bottom and they're green on the top, like a pineapple. Yeah, I just thought tropical fish. The artificial pineapple flavour didn't even tip me off. And it wasn't until I was 25 or so and my husband had like a retro party mix out on the coffee table And he said to me, can you uh, hand me a pineapple? And I'm looking in the bowl of lollies thinking, there's no pineapples. And I said, what? And he said, a pineapple. And he pointed to the fish. And I'm looking at it thinking, oh my goodness, it's a pineapple. (laughs) Now we can laugh about that because it's just lollies, right? The reality is I thought that lolly was a fish for 25 years. Didn't change the fact that it was actually a pineapple. It's just that I saw it in the wrong light. Do you get where I'm going here? Some of us have seen the Holy Spirit in the wrong way. 
we've been far too focused on the outworkings of the Spirit or the manifestations of the Spirit. We may have thought that the Holy Spirit was weird. We may have thought that the Holy Spirit is an optional extra or just an oomph charger for your life. It doesn't change the fact that the Holy Spirit has been working in our hearts the whole time. But what a revelation when we realise who He really is. And in closing, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you several questions actually. You see, you might be here today and you might be feeling like, wow, I can, uh, I can really relate to that thing that you said about having a dark and disordered heart. I feel like my heart is empty and dark and disordered and chaotic and crying out for renewal all at the same time. Except I don't really know who this God or this Holy Spirit is who you're talking about. And that if that is you, I want to tell you that the, the way the Holy Spirit comes into our heart is when we accept Jesus Christ as Lord. When we accept that work that He did on the cross, not just to save us, but also to change us from the inside out. If I could get every eye closed for a minute, just for privacy. Maybe you're sitting here tonight, today, and that is you. And you're thinking, you know what, I need, God, I need you. I actually need you to come and change my heart, Lord. And you've never done this before. You've never cried out to God and said, I need you, God. Or maybe you've been far away from Him and you feel like you need to, to recommit to God in that way. And if that's you, I'm going to ask you in a minute to raise your hand. Just, I'll acknowledge it and then you can pop it back down. So if that's you, you can relate to that. And you're saying, you know what, I, I want to accept Jesus. I want this Holy Spirit who you're talking about. Could you just raise your hand for me? Is there anyone here this morning? Thank you. Beautiful. You can pop your hand down. Is there anyone else this morning? who you like, I really need you, Jesus, to come in and change my heart, to live in me, not just visit with me, but live inside me. Beautiful. For the rest of us, maybe for you, if you were to be honest with yourself, you have seen the Holy Spirit in the wrong way or the incorrect or a partial way. Maybe you thought he was weird or maybe you thought he was an extra or maybe you thought that focused more on the outworkings of the Spirit, which are still very real things. And this message has brought a challenge about for you. Or maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know what, I accept Jesus, but I'm holding on to these dark, hardened areas of my heart too much and I know I just need to surrender those to God. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to put your hands out in front of you or raise your hands and we're going to pray. God, I thank you, Lord, for the work that you do in us from the inside out. 
God, I thank you that we don't need to conform, Lord God, to a concept of good because your Holy Spirit comes in and transforms us, Lord, from the inside out. And so, God, we lift up our weaknesses, our darkness, our disorder, our chaos, Lord God, and we place them in your hands. God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out and it changes our understanding as well. God, I thank you that you're opening eyes, Lord God, to who you are and the work of your Holy Spirit. God, we trust, entrust ourselves to you. You are a good God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being with us today. If you're impacted by this message, would like to get connected, or would like to know more about our church, please visit our website at c3hobart.org.au. See you next time.